My name's Brandon Staub. And I'm Brad O'Connell. Welcome to In Dispute Podcast, where we discuss hot-button issues in the Christian church. We're learning to listen to the Bible instead of our emotions, and we invite you to learn with us. Our hope is that these raw conversations would help lead us to truth and bring us closer to the mind and heart of God. everybody. Welcome to In Dispute Podcast. Today we are talking about a pretty uh, crazy and, and often sensitive subject, sex before marriage. Um, before we even jump into this episode, I just want to say two things real quickly. One, there's a concept out there that, that Christians shouldn't judge and that Christians are following Jesus, so we shouldn't be judgy. And I just want to clarify that when the scripture says that Christians shouldn't judge, what that means is that we are not in the seat of the judge. So that means that we as Christians cannot, should not, are not to condemn people to hell for or heaven for what they are doing or how they are living, right? So we are not doing that tonight. But Christians are often told that we should be communicating with each other as believers on what the Bible calls sin, and we should be having conversations with each other. And if that means lovingly and graciously calling each other out in love for the good of each other, then we should be doing that. So that's number one. So if you hear something tonight, it's not coming across as judgmental. Um, that is not our goal whatsoever. The second thing is that if you are listening tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this, if you are not a believer, like you have not given your life to Christ, as Lord, as King, then this podcast is nothing more than some tidbits of wisdom that we believe can work and is meant to work all the way across the board. But we do not look upon you as a non-believer and totally understand and totally live by what we see in the Bible as right and wrong. I just want to point that out there. If you are a Christian and you're listening to this, then this sermon is not just wisdom, but it's also hopefully a refresher on what is sin, and hopefully this will help by the Holy Spirit to um, to get you to kind of contemplate a lifestyle that you may or may not be in right now. So I just want to kind of put that out there, blanket statements, what our attitude is going to be throughout this, this episode. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, Brandon, do you want to kind of jumpstart <clears throat> The topic itself yeah and uh, I want to say that this topic for me is incredibly uncomfortable um, just because of the upbringing I I came up in my family never talked about sex um, so the topic of discussion is incredibly uncomfortable for me so uh, this has been really hard. I mean, you know, doing the research is is fine, but you know, when I'm sitting in the chair and I know that I actually have to talk about this, it's it's incredibly uncomfortable. But it's such uh, an issue in our culture today um, of of sex before marriage uh, that it just it needs to be addressed because it doesn't seem like it it really is. Um, and, and why is it such a big deal? That's another thing is, you know, I grew up in, in a youth group where they were very quick to let us know what, what the, the sins were that we were supposed to avoid, but they didn't really tell us why. Mm. It was just like, you know, if you're, if you're going to have sex with, before you're married, it's, you're sinning and you're going to go to hell. Enough said. <laughs> so, um, we want to kind of unpack that here, yeah. um, get into the Bible, see what the Bible has to say about this, uh, because some argue that uh, the Bible doesn't say anything at all specifically about sex before marriage, that there's no specific commandment that says, you know, thou shalt not have sex before marriage. Um, but there are some scriptures and some passages in the Bible that make it pretty clear Um that it is, it is, sex is something that is reserved just for two people who are married. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so the first thing I did is I kind of wanted to see, well, what is the biblical explanation of marriage? Like when, when do two people officially become married? Because, you know, nowadays you have to go through, you know, like getting a license and it has to be recognized by the state and you go to church and you have a ceremony or not necessarily a church, but yet, you know, you have a ceremony. Mm -hmm. Um, in the Bible, that doesn't really happen. There, there's no like, as far as what I could see, no, nothing legally that had to happen. Um, the, there wasn't even really necessarily ceremony that took place. Um, I mean, you, there could have been on occasion. You know, Jesus attended a, a wedding party in Cana. So, um, I mean, there. There is evidence for at least some ceremonies, but um, going to Genesis, the very first mention of kind of a marriage between Adam and Eve, and kind of, in my opinion, gives the foundation of what marriage is biblically. It comes from Genesis chapter 2. Um, and verse 24, just to get right into it, just says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So it seems like the biblical foundation for marriage would be um, someone leaving their father and mother and clinging to their spouse, mm -hmm. uh, becoming one flesh. So, I mean, that's kind of a cultural thing, I guess, is like how they would do it back then. You know, back then, your marriages were uh, chosen by your parents. You know, your parents chose your, your spouse. Um, and, of course, that's different now. So, um, so, so this is basically... What I've seen as the ba the basis and the foundation for marriage is, you know, when when you leave your father and mother and you cling to your spouse, your husband or your wife, mm -hmm. um, that at that point is when um, officially you become married. Right. Now, if you if you've done any research and found anything different on your end, well, I just, I think we have to be careful here. Is so you can leave you. I can leave my father and my mother's house and go cling to anybody I want to. Does that make me married? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if, if we were to even back up before the patriarchal society where your parents gave you away, like, like that was, that was after Eden. Let's just back up to the creation narrative in Genesis. It was a man. It was a woman. They became one flesh. Right? So we see that marriage has to do with, first of all, God was involved in the ceremony, right? <clears throat> the concept of marriage, and we know this throughout throughout the Bible, we know that in a perfect world, if we are totally following Jesus without sin, everything's good to go as far as that stuff goes, that marriage should be a man, a woman, linked together for life, right? Like marriage was supposed to last forever. Um, and God is involved in that ceremony, right? So remember that, that title or today on this episode, like when we're talking, we are. This topic is specifically within the church, right? So, so if you're outside of the church, you're going to think about this totally differently. But as Christians, God needs to be involved in the ceremony. Um, and I love how you brought up about the the legal part of this because I've actually been asked that before recently and it's a question that a lot of times gets asked like so why do I need to sign a piece of paper like why can't I just love my my person call her my wife my husband whatever why do I need this legal piece of paper so I just want to take just a real quick moment to, to hash that out the state of America like so we're in America right now our country requires that it happens or you don't have the legal benefits of a husband and a wife right right so <clears throat> so the bible also then says that as christians as long as the laws are not hurting the gospel or forcing us to go against jesus that you and i should be respecting as christians the laws of the land 
So if the law of the land is you need this piece of paper to be legally married, then our job as Christians should be respecting that and following that law. So that, that's number one. All right. Number two side of that is that there are some states, from what I understand, there are some states that would allow, and I don't know which states they are offhand, I, just conversations with other pastors, that there are occasionally a state here or there where, where they will allow clergymen to marry marry a couple without the legal orientation. It is a ceremony before God. Um, now, guys, you're giving up all legal benefits at that point in time just you know you're, you're you're getting you're not getting their last name you're not getting any kind of health insurance benefits you're not you know if you pass away like you know, there's no legal thing tying you together right it also makes it extremely easy for you to walk away whenever you want to because there's no loopholes that you have to go through in order to break your marriage covenant right mm -hmm. um but if we run it if we i mean if we just wanted to kind of put that option out there at bare minimum if the state legally allows it, it would need to be you and two witnesses at least, and the pastor <laughs> performing a marriage and it, you know that covenant before, and that that is absolute. But only if that state allows it. But the reason we require the papers because that's what the state tells you is marriage, and as Christians, we need to abide by that law because it's not hurting the gospel or forcing us to go against Jesus. Right. I just and want to clear that up real quick. You know, now now that you're you're saying that about papers um, and mentioning how easy it is to walk away, um, there is in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. some guidelines for divorce and how if uh, a man wants to divorce his wife, that there actually needs to be papers served. Mm -hmm. So there is maybe some kind of legal process going on there in the Bible. If papers need yeah. to be served for a divorce, then it's possible maybe there needs to be some paperwork for yeah. the actual marriage. So, and Jesus and and Jesus even hashed that out a little bit. Except, and I'm going to give you the Brad O'Connell the Brad O'Connell version of of that the translation. <laughs> um, but basically, what Jesus was saying was, hey. Moses was allowed to give you guys divorces because y'all were being idiots and God just kind of said, you know, gave them that freedom to do whatever because you guys were just rampant with sin at that time. You know what I mean? It wasn't like God was saying, oh, you know what? I did create this loophole just in case, but you have to do it this way. Like, like that was that freedom, but he wasn't like God wasn't cool with it. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't like God didn't say, hey, man, this is cool. I'm chill with that. Uh like and, right. and Jesus was pretty clear about that. So, but yeah, you're right. There is there is that legal. And back then, I think the covenants themselves were, in a sense, that legal binding kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, don't, I don't think with the way and look at any covenant with God in the Old Testament, it it's it's all has some sort of binding portion to it, right? So it's more than just simply some words before God, but His covenants themselves had almost the equivalent of what we would call that legal that legal binding right portion to it so yeah so mm -hmm. some people say that there isn't anything biblically that says specifically that you can't have sex before marriage mm -hmm. um i disagree um it starts back in deuteronomy again We'll go back to Deuteronomy uh, 22, chapter 22, um, goes into, um, I, I won't read it because it's a little um, graphic, but goes into um, the, the trouble that a woman could get into if it is found out that she has had sex before she was married to her husband. Mm -hmm. um, there's some l legal trouble that she would get into um, if that is found out. Um, well, that's the fir that's the first example in, in the Bible that I've found. Um, that's Old Testament, so people will say, well, that's Old Testament, that doesn't count. Well, mm -hmm. in the New Testament, Paul talks about it <laughs> um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
um, right right in the very beginning of the of that chapter, instructions on marriage. It says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations because there's no, there's so much sexual immorality. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. And then verse three says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his, his wife. Um skip down a little bit to verses eight and nine it says so i say to those who aren't married and to widows it's better to stay unmarried just as i am but if they can't control themselves they should go ahead and marry it's better to marry than to burn with lust mm-hmm. so like right there i think it's pretty clear to, that paul is saying if you can't control your sexual desires, then you need to probably consider getting married because it's not something that you can do outside of marriage. Right. And that's sexual immorality and yeah. sinful. Almost, it seems like almost every time we hear the words sexual immorality, usually comes across as porneia in the in the Greek. Um, but mm-hmm. any time in the Bible we seem to see this concept of sexual immorality, I believe it's almost always referring to the opposite of being in a covenant marriage relationship. Um, there are no overtones of, oh, if you're just being faithful to that one person, you can have sex with them all you want, live with them all you want, as long as you're being faithful to that person. And then if you leave that person... Uh, you can go do it with somebody else as long as you're being faithful to that person. Like that overtone doesn't exist. It's very clear when Paul is talking about sexual immorality, when the rest of scripture is talking about sexual immorality, you've, you've pointed out in Deuteronomy, like sex was created for marriage. Right. That That's it. Anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the first time, so we know just from being human beings, whether you look at the Bible or not, we know that sex is for intimacy, sex is for reproduction, sex is for pleasure, right? So if we look back into Genesis, the very first time that even a hint of sex is is mentioned, it's before pleasure and it's before um, procreation. And it's listed kind of under that intimacy level. It says that Adam and Eve, Adam knew his wife, right? So the the tone there is that in every way possible, he knew her intimately down to the core, right? So the that whole language there that would include actual physical, right? Um, that's the first time we we see sex in the Bible is after they have become a married couple, right? And mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that's really, really important. The first time you could see sex in the Bible is after marriage, right? So, so they're not out there hopping around in the garden and then getting married. And then all of a sudden they knew each other intimately. Like, no, no, no. They got married and then sex comes on the scene. So that, I think that's really important. And I think it's the backbone of any argument that Paul's ever had in the new Testament. Um, So that I think is really important. If we, if we were to just get on, let's just get on a human emotional level here because the Bible is really clear about sexual immorality. Like I, there's no gray area in the Bible about sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible has created sex from scene one as a way to intimately connect with the person that we're married to. And so that means that there is an emotional tie to it, right? So we need to just kind of be, let's just be kind of obvious about this. God created sex. He is the absolute creator of sex. And so he created with a specific design and it was good inside the confounds of what he wanted it used for. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve were married and they became one flesh. The word one, a cod, literally means like one like they became one. They were no longer just Adam and old Eve, like chilling there. Like they became one unit in 
and uh, flesh. So they became one unit in flesh, right? So that they they have disregarded their separateness in a sense. Um, now, obviously, like when I'm talking like some witchcrafty kind of, they're not merging into some blob. <laughs> they're two. There's two. There's still two people, right? But but basically, this concept in the old in the Old Testament, and I've read this in a couple places, that that word akkad, when when it says that they become one flesh, that it has this poetic overtone of the mingling of souls right so, so god created in marriage that sex would be one of if not the main way that a new husband and a new wife and then continuing throughout their marriage could know each other on the absolute most most spiritual on the deepest level possible right mm -hmm. emotionally spiritually physically you don't get more connected than that moment right in marriage and so every time that that happens outside of marriage, you, you're misusing, you're, mis, uh, you're abusing this good thing that God created. And whether you think it's just a one-night stand or you're just with them for a couple of years, like no matter how you look at it, the creation of sex was designed to connect you with another human being on every level possible. So you can call it a one night stand all you want, but there is still an emotional attachment to that person in some way, shape or form. And you might not know it until yep. you get married, yep. but it is there, you know? And so every time you do that, you're connecting with someone, you're mingling with their souls, so to speak, and then you're ripping it apart mm -hmm. just to go to the next person and mingle with their soul and then ripping it apart. And then you finally get to this person you're with the rest of your life, and and you've already like, what if you've already gone through several people? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it becomes a difficult situation. Now God is good and God is gracious, and God can totally mend and heal that brokenness. Like there are marriages out there with those kind of experiences that just have the richest and deepest love between each other. Like like that's not what I'm saying. God is awesome, right. and amazing. He can heal. Right. Yep. Um, but. Man, and it's always actual experience happens and lines up with the truth that's already in the Bible, right? So my experience isn't dictating truth, but truth says this, and then my experience follows suit. So, like, just just being totally transparent, I've said it. No, this isn't the first time I did not save my virginity for marriage. I'm just gonna put it out there, um, <clears throat> and so. I know firsthand the struggle of trying to emotionally and physically and spiritually attach with somebody, connect with them when I haven't only been with that person, right? No matter what kind of love you have, there's always questions spinning. There's always trust issues, at least in the beginning, right? Yep. And so, um, so here we have God like portraying this perfection, <laughs> in sex, like what it's designed for. And then the Bible is full of warnings of what happens when you abuse that. And then if you abuse that in the real world, those things actually come true. Like, mm -hmm. like something that should have been a fairly early on marriage, a lot of the times takes years of connection and years of trying to understand your spouse because you've, um, you've been with somebody that you weren't meant to be with. You know what I mean? Right. And it makes sense because the scripture says that sexual immorality is higher or, or worse than any other sin because you don't just sin against another person, but you sin against yourself and how much tr truth comes out of that when you're the one in marriage that has now hurt yourself before marriage. And now you're having to do all this extra work and digging and hurting and, mm -hmm in order to make your marriage what it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's like yep. time and time again, God's just, Hey man, I told you, I told you, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, I, I yeah. just think that's, I think it's really important to understand that, that concept in Genesis. If, if you don't understand that, then you're going to misinterpret the entire scripture when it comes to sex. Yeah. And you, and you, you hit on the, the, the soul ties, um, argument there. And uh, I actually had that in my notes as well. And I actually saw a really cool illustration of 
like a real world illustration of what what happens with soul ties. Mm. Um, and there's some that actually argue that soul ties is not found in the Bible either. Um, <laughs> um, that's false. Um, just quick before I get into the illustration, in First Corinthians chapter six verse sixteen says, "Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her?" Uh, as for as it is written, the two will become one flesh. That's like a bad example of a soul tie, but um, there's actually good soul ties that you can make with people, um, and you don't. It doesn't. Soul ties don't always go through sex. So, First um, uh, Samuel eighteen one says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's a good soul tie. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, soul ties are biblical and they're real. And I saw this illustration of what happens um, if you take two pieces of cardboard and you glue them together flat, wait till it dries and try to then separate them. Mm-hmm. Parts of the one piece of cardboard are going to be missing. Uh, and the other piece of cardboard, there's going to be pieces that are there that shouldn't be. And also pieces that are missing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like what happens uh, with with soul ties with people when we're just sleeping around with people and we're we're having sex outside of marriage, it's that's what's happening is we're we're gluing it's like we're gluing one ourselves to another person and then trying to rip that apart and there's pieces of each person that are left behind on you know uh, within us that will be carried on you know. Yeah. For you know, possibly forever. I mean, we, we can pray to break that soul tie, and you know, I think God can do that for us. But you know, yeah, it's a pretty good illustration. Yeah. Um, it, and let, let's clarify real quickly because we're using some pretty dark language here as we're talking about sex before marriage. The church, the history of the church has gone either usually one of two ways when it comes to the topic of sex. Either they totally kept silent and ignored it because they just didn't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. or they they condemned it as evil and something we shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be talking about, and all this kind of stuff, right? So, so we might be using this kind of heavy language for sex outside of marriage, but not by any means are we condemning sex like god created sex for a very specific purpose right um what purpose is and every purpose is good when it's done in the correct context right so so i just want to point that out there we are not condemning sex sex is not a bad thing it's an awesome amazing thing it just needs to be done in the correct context if you want to be able to enjoy it the way that god created it to be enjoyed all right and, 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 you know, I'm going to be blunt here. Uh, you know, you were very open and honest in, you know, your life. Uh, and I'm going to, so I'll be open and honest in mine as, you know, I didn't wait either. And it, what it really comes down to is, and I, and I would, I would bet that across the board and I, you know, I won't say this is fact, but. I think every person that says that they're a Christian knows that this is wrong. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to is selfishness is I'm living in the moment. This is, is what I want. And this is what is going to make me feel good right now. And I really don't care what will says. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to is just selfishness. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is on top of sex before marriage is, is sinful, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy how, how the enemy just destroys things and that God tried, like, or at least tries to destroy things that God created as beautiful and how he lies to us. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had these words come out of your own mouth or you've heard them. I know I've said them. And I know I've heard them. 
man, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but if sex with somebody before marriage is the worst thing I do, is he really going to send me to hell? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm, I'm in a relationship with this person. I'm dedicated to this person. I'm not just sleeping around. Like, this is a legit relationship. Like, is he really mm-hmm. going to send me to hell? And it's just like, you're looking at this the complete opposite of like you know <laughs> that sex is actually way more important of an issue than what you're telling yourself that it is right now i mean mm-hmm. paul very specifically says that it is different than every other kind of sin yeah right it, it it is a very destructive sin uh towards you and somebody else and Paul even lists it now. It's not just sex, but there is <clears throat> there is a list, several lists in the scriptures where Paul says, and among other sins is sexual immorality, that those will not inherit the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. right? So now what that means is not like, oh, I screwed up. I'm going to hell. It's no, no, no. But but if you are living in a completely unrepentant lifestyle and you're cool with it, you're happy with it, like, I think Paul's saying, like, dude, the kingdom of God was not created for that. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yep. And so it, it was so important that Paul's like, no, 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 like, like, this isn't a slap on the wrist issue. This is God said no. He said, mm-hmm. don't do it. Yep. You know what I mean? And it is so like Paul's using this huge language, this deep, heavy language. That the that the sexually immoral person is not fit for the kingdom of God, yep. right? And that could be like future kingdom, and it could be this kingdom right now. Like yep. like we are living in the kingdom age spiritually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, those two things don't mix together. It's like mm. oil and water, dude. Like, yeah. Um, now, you know, obviously, like I said sex isn't the only thing, and there quite a few different sins, but, um. It's way more important than we lead it on to be in our own heads in that moment when, when it feels good or when our emotions are high and we really, really care about that person. I, I don't want to diminish that you, you know, don't care about that person. Right. But I'd argue in my own life if I really cared about those people, I would, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you really, if you really care about that person, you'll wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if you right. really understood yeah. what it was doing to you and that person, then I think you'd wait. Um. Yeah. I think that would be a deeper version of love. Um, so, so where do we go next, man? Well, I was just going to actually add on to, you know, you said I've probably said this too, but, and I have, I've said that exact phrase, you know, is it, you know, is this really going to send me to hell? Uh, but another excuse that I always liked to use was, well, you know, either I'll eventually get married to this girl and make, make it okay mm-hmm. or um we'll break up and god will forgive me anyway <laughs> yeah which is like a total you know mm-hmm. cop out and ex- such a horrible excuse um <laughs> but yeah yeah anyway um, you're, you're, you're pretty much creating a hyper grace in your own exactly. lifestyle and paul mm-hmm. was also pretty clear about that being a you know not a good or cool thing like exactly you know what yeah I mean? like he's like no that's not how grace works man <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, right something else i want to throw in here is that the bible very clearly says that you reap what you sow mm-hmm. right so if you're gonna reap if you're gonna like reap unfaithfulness before marriage mm-hmm. then when you finally do get married you know what is it that you're going to be sowing during your relationship? You might have some difficult difficulty there in faithfulness, potentially, um, for, you know, sowing that bad seed in the beginning. Right. So that's, I mean, that's something to keep in mind as you're thinking about this, this topic is, you, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> And it, God forbid, I bring science into a religion talk, but um, what's cool here is, and this is another important fact, we're talking about the mingling of souls here and how God created sex with a purpose, right? So when he created, when he designed sex, like it is a potent and powerful 
type of relationship. Um, there is some science out there that would equate what happens in our minds during sex to a heroin high, right? Especially like if you get into the porn addiction kind of realm of like the science behind that. But, you know, it's all connected to sex. And so, so God created sex and our bodies and our brains so that when it happens with the right person that we want more of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so you just brought up something about being faithful. You know, you might get married one day, but then where's that struggle going to be? You know, so, so if you're out hooking up with people that you're not supposed to be hooking up with, you're essentially like getting an addictive high off of these other people. And then you think that you can just go get married. And then all of a sudden that those other addictions aren't going to creep up in the back door of your soul one day. Right. You know, like all of a sudden, just because you signed a piece of paper, you won't look at another guy or another woman. Right. Like, or all of a sudden you, you sign this piece of paper and lust is no longer going to be an issue because you're married now. So it's the problems fixed. Yes. God can and does awesome, awesome work in that realm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's testimony after testimony. I mean, I'm not going to go play with a, a venomous snake just because I might not get bit. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like the concept in my head. I wish I had that concept in my head before I was married. <laughs> um, right. But, but you know, I just kind of, I, I always love when science and religion kind of meet up and they're like, boom. Yep. Uh, um, but, you know, God, God designed it for that thing. Right. Um, well, we we talked off we talked off recording of, about this topic. I don't think we need a full episode on it, so I just want to bring it up real briefly. Just get some thoughts out here, and this can only just need to be five or ten minutes, you know, if needed. But the the topic is highly this topic of sex before marriage is extremely connected to living with somebody before marriage, right? right. Again, we are talking about Christians here. Um, that though, if you're a Christian, you should be considering the standard, right? You should be living within this kind of standard. Um, so, so what do we do with that topic? I mean, the Bible doesn't blatantly really say about living together. It's pretty much strictly about sex before marriage. So, so should Christians, I don't know if we can say can, or I don't know if we can really have the freedom to make it a definite kind of issue because I don't like putting things in the Bible that's not there or taking things out of it that's not, you know, there to take out of. But should using wisdom Christians live together before marriage? <clears throat> Let, let's look at it maybe from that angle. Right. Uh, um yeah, there there isn't anything that's as specific as sex before marriage as he said. Um Paul, you could, I mean, you could say this is grasping at straws, but, you know, Paul mentions something alluding to the fact that um, he's, he's talking about the, the, the way a, a, a church service should look um, and mentions that uh, this might open up a can of worms here, <laughs> but uh, how a, if a woman has questions mm-hmm. about what's happening in the service that she should wait until she gets home to her husband to ask her those questions at home. Right. So like I said, grasping at straws, but it seems like Paul's assuming that, um, that there's some kind of a marriage there that if they're living together, it's because they're husband and wife. Um, and those kind of questions should go on between husband and wife at home. Um, that's yeah. that's a very far-stretching example. Um, you know, the most compelling example that I have found is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Um, John chapter 4. So Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, they have this exchange. Uh, uh, Jesus asks her to go get your husband. Um, and she basically says, I don't have a husband. And his response was, 
That's right. You you have you've had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now isn't your husband. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people will take that verse and say, "Well, he's clearly he's talking about this woman having sex before marriage," but he he doesn't. And I mean, we know Jesus; he's not going to sugarcoat things. Right. His issue with this woman wasn't her sexual activity but it was just the fact that she's living with this guy and she's not married to him mm-hmm. he didn't even have to he didn't have to even point out the the sexual side of this i love i love i love how you kind of pointed that out because here are my thoughts on it and i, I honestly i think i think that that probably is the stronger of the two the two passages oh, yeah. that you brought yeah. up um and I think we need to keep going back to the beginning of sex. So let's go back to Genesis. Marriage, part of marriage <clears throat> was that that sexual relationship, right? So they had Adam and Eve in the garden. They had a home together. They were married. They were having sex. So I think what happens is if you have two people that are proclaiming Jesus as king and they're living together and they're not married, What's going on there, and I think this is what Jesus hinted at, is that you are you are attempting to have all of the benefits of marriage without the actual covenant. Mm-hmm. You can you can share a, a bed, you can you can cook together and and have fun together. Perfect Instagram little family picture thing going on. But you don't have the covenant that says this is forever. I am committed to you in every single way possible. Right. Right. You're playing house without the covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I I think that if we were to you know look at that passage, what Jesus was saying to that woman, I, I think maybe there was some undertones of of that. You now people can argue; they're free to argue their interpretation of that that scripture. But I think there might have been some under, undertones of that. Also, <clears throat> so marriage is more than sex. It's also emotion, and sex and emotion are connected. So my question is, are you, are you telling me, so if you're Christians and you're, you're living together, you're not married, right? And engaged is not married, right? So if you're engaged, you're not married, right? Consider yourself single and for, for this case, you know, as far as this context goes, right? So are you telling me that as two followers of Christ— you're able to live inside of a house and have every benefit of marriage in most cases even including sleeping in the same bed and you're able to do that without your emotions overriding your physical features and you're able to do that without having sex like like you can live in a house with another believer as if you're married without the legal document and you can do that without having any kind of sex at all until the day you're married. Like, are you telling me that? Because I, if you're telling me that, I might need to creepily sit in on you for a little bit and just make sure <laughs> nothing's happening because I don't think I believe it. Yep. Like, like, if you are emotionally involved with somebody to the point where you are going to get married, your hormones are raging. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yep. It's just happening. You can't argue that, really. Um. So, I mean, if we were to, like, I do not endorse it. I'm just putting it out there as a possibility. I don't endorse it, so hopefully we don't get any attacks here. <laughs> I think if, 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 if there's an actual way where you can live with your future spouse and you can make it through all that time of engagement without having sex, then I think... Mm, maybe there might be an iota of freedom in that. An iota. But again, I don't endorse that view because in every other aspect other than sex, you are reaping the benefits of marriage without marriage. And I think the Bible is pretty clear what marriage is supposed to be. One man, one woman leaving their, their, their father and mother, leaving their family, becoming one flesh living together, creating families together. Like, 
um, in some way, shape, or form, right? So, <clears throat> Brandon, you're a dog dude, right? So, that's included, I believe. <laughs> and probably better in a lot of circumstances, <laughs> if I'm really being honest. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? So, 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 I don't endorse it. I don't endorse it just because of that that concept of reaping the benefits without without the actual covenant. And, and can I blow that argument out of the water right now? Yes. Wait, like you're attacking me in my own podcast? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> First Thessalonians five twenty two. Abstain okay. abstain from all appearance of evil. So can two Christians live together without having the appearance of evil on them? Like can anybody actually say that Oh yeah, I I know that those two are living together, but I completely one hundred percent agree and bet my last dollar that they're not sleeping together. Right, yeah, yeah. Let's see. You didn't totally blow me out of the water because I said <laughs> I didn't endorse the view and the, and it was just an <laughs> iota possibility of freedom there. I thought you were I thought you were really for a second. <laughs> but yeah, so I just I can't endorse that that is a biblical a biblically appropriate option. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's coming from somebody who, like I've said, like I, I've I've kind of been there, done that. Like I get the urges. I, I get that you just want to be together. I get that it's cheaper financially. Like I get all those things. Um right. but but how how badly how badly do we love Jesus? Um because I know from my own experience that I claimed to love Jesus every single moment in some of those, you know, some of my scenario. Mm -hmm. And yet I was still living an unrepentant lifestyle right. because it was, it was just easier for me to do that. Yeah. I love Jesus, but I don't love him quite enough to, to make my life harder for the next year as I, as I plan my wedding. Right. Um, th you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, and like I said earlier, I think it really all comes down to selfishness. Uh, you know, we want what we want. We want it now. We don't want to have to wait for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll do it. It's, it's, it's easier to get, uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to get permission. Right. Uh, so yeah, it really. I, I think that's what it boils down to is is it's just selfishness. Yeah. Um, and there's I, there's there's so many options, dude. Like, so so I've got credentials currently. I I could perform a ceremony for a couple in my living room and then you can live together all you want and you can plan the most beautiful wedding and you can renew your vows six months from now and you still mm -hmm. get that wedding you've always dreamed of you still get that celebration with your family but you're doing it in a way that honors god you know what i mean but mm -hmm. it's like you said like we have all of we have our plans in mind we have right. our desires in mind and right. and we it's so easy on this in this realm with this flesh to put aside what God has called us to do when it's hard to do. Mm -hmm. But there are options, man. Like, like I can marry you, get me a license. You pay to marry you in 30 seconds and then you're, and then you're good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like how badly do you want to honor Jesus in your relationship? Right. right. How, how much do you respect the person you're with to honor Jesus? In, in that you know i mean there's options like i get that it's hard like i get that i want to be sympathetic i understand that there are there are situations that i could only ever dream of that make this difficult for people but there are options if you're willing to push through the hard times and stand true to what god's called us to do you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah and uh I, this this 
could preach an entire message, so I'm going to try to um, keep it short. But another thing, other than just selfishness, is I think that there's a lot of other things that go on inside of people's hearts and minds and spirits. And what they're doing is they're trying to fill this hole in their hearts with everything but what they should be filling it with, you know, which is Jesus. And this is, this is what's happening with the woman at the well. Mm. If you really, if you really unpack what's going on there and what Jesus is saying, you know, and he's, he's talking about giving her uh, a water that will quench her thirst forever. And her thirst the way she's been trying to quench her thirst is through men. Okay. Like she's had five husbands and now she's on her sixth man that she's living with. She's trying to quench a thirst that only Jesus can quench. Mm -hmm. And I think that that that's what's going on in a lot of people's hearts and minds and souls. They're, they're looking for, looking to quench a thirst that only Jesus can quench and and in the process they're 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 drinking the, the wrong water mm-hmm. you know and and they're they're doing more damage to themselves than they are good All right yeah hmm. yeah it's good thoughts man right. so I think we've pretty much bled this one dry (laughs) let's let's pray let's ask that god would um would just guide people who are in these situations and and heal Mm -hmm. uh, heal those who have um sinned and are and are repentant of that right so i'll I'll pray us out and then we'll be good to go father we thank you so much for truth we thank you um that god you're a god of grace so even in times where your truth is hard you're gracious in the way that you approach us we pray that that this podcast would be a way um of that approach god and we ask that anybody listening that is struggling right now anybody that's in this world of sexual immorality as christians god that you would by your spirit by your love you would convict them and that you would provide options for them you would help them to walk through this very difficult um sin God, and just plant hope in their hearts. You would fill the missing pieces, um, God. And, and for those like Brandon and I who have sinned before marriage and who know all too well the weight of that guilt, Lord, and the brokenness that comes with it in a new relationship, Lord, I just pray for healing. I pray that we would fully embrace the freedom and the forgiveness that you've offered us and that you've died for us to have, um, and that, that you would through that guilt that you would teach us a lesson that you would teach us to be more like you and that you would use us uh, to be a beacon of hope to those who are still seeking We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Catch us next time on in dispute podcast. Thanks for listening to in dispute podcast. We hope today's conversation has stirred you to seek biblical truth. If you'd like to contact us with questions, comments, or suggest topics, you can find us on Twitter at Dispute Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash indisputepodcast. Tune in next week for another topic in dispute.